Welcome to the Irregular Podcast. Hi and welcome to another Irregular Podcast. Uh, this evening I'm joined by, by Jason as always. Jay, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Um, yourself? Uh, not too bad, thing, not too bad. Busy with busy with work, um, struggling to, to, to find hobby time. But I have done a little bit of hobby, which is good. Um, I managed to paint a single Necromunda base the other night. What have I been doing hobby-wise? Um, yeah, what have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been finishing. I've been finishing off some models uh, that have been sat on my desk for God, the best part of a year. There are quite a few mm. sat on my desk that have been there since I moved. Some of them are since I moved into this new place in Sheffield, yeah. which is two years. Yes, yes. You've got um, you got more stuff finished than I have though. Yeah, it's mainly because of Shiny Syndrome stuff. I get sort of distracted by new stuff, like um, T62s for um, Team Yankee. Oh, don't, don't get me started on new, on new and Shiny Syndrome. I, so, I, I get that more better than, worse than most, to be honest. And then also teaching um, my niece to paint as well. Hmm. She's painting some Space Marines at the moment, which are the Unicorn chapter, and they are pink. Well, you know, how old, how old is she? Twelve. Well, there you go. That's that's exactly why. But at least you've managed to get some hobbying in, which is the main thing. Um, it's definitely something that I'm trying to do more of. Um, I bought the the Eisenhorn model, the Black Library one. Um, it was the last one that uh, the um, Outpost had. So I thought, oh, I'll I'll grab that with the intention of buying the new uh, Severina Rain character, the new um, oh, fe- that female commissar. The commissar that's come one, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, this gets quite a nice one, and I figured that um, if we are going to try and get a Necromunda or Kill Team um, campaign going down uh, at the castle, um, that it could be quite cool and funky to have an Eisenhorn, some assassins, uh, you know, just I suppose characters, maybe even to a certain extent, and you know, like we've talked about before, branching out back into Inquisitor or some sort of 40k RPG meets miniatures. Um, could be quite good with the likes of the kill team terrain, uh, some of the some of the Necromunda tiles or the bulkheads. Uh, just try and tell the story that particular way. Maybe could be another way of extending out that. Yeah, for me at the moment, I'm just trying to clear through the ones that have been sat on my desk for some time, and now I've got uh, a number of projects. I'm just finishing off the Gangs of Rome I started um, before Christmas. Uh, basically, they're all painted. I just there's about three, I think it is. I need to sort of do some something with the bases mm. and they're done then I've just got to finish building the temple then I can start playing <laughs> um, and then I've got other projects on the go I've started um, Team Yankee as you know Yeah. Um, I've got bolt action armies that are part way through which is a British SAS long range desert group um, army I'm then doing a late war German army, and then I'm doing a Chinese nationalist and communist army. Um, the communist army would basically double up as the Chinese army for Korea. Yeah, because it's obviously the same kit, same Yeah, community. yeah. It's, Korea's 56, I think. It's 50, yeah, it's 50, 50 to 54, I think it is, if I remember rightly. Right, um, well, can we quickly Google why, why you're waiting? Um, but, 
is it career if, if you want to go career career is a good one it is if, if you want to go beyond world war two 50 to 53 i was wrong and uh, and jump into another war without having to buy much of a new army korea is a good one because a lot of the kit used in korea was was still stuff was stuff was being used in world war Two. yeah so the main battle tanks were t-34 on the side on the chinese side and the north korean side and on the allied side it was the sherman so if you've got an american army world war Two army it it will pretty much double up for korea and you can bring if you can find it in 156 some of the newer tanks that came out yeah i suppose you could always use the brits because um korea was the first war i think the un collectively went to went together with so, yeah. so to speak you know obviously the, the americans were leading it but i'm sure they were they were british canadian all kinds of stuff in uh, in korea to try and throw back um the north koreans and it didn't quite work in the end <laughs> no and it's we, we'll do a proper podcast on this because it's quite an interesting so quite an interesting war to be honest and it's a great one to step out of beyond world war Two, if you want to start getting gaming into um cold war without having to buy a new army if you already played world war Two bolt action because yeah. i'm pretty much you could play the uh, korean conflict using bolt action rules and bolt action, bolt action armies same i suppose as well for flames of war if you've got existing world war II, anything world war Two, basically yeah you can you can yeah, it's basically over. anything that was russian will now become the Chinese army. So if you've got a Russian army, you can, it will be basically, you could use it for the Chinese army because by this time they were using Russian kit and a lot of it was World War II Russian kit. Yeah, well, there's plenty of it to go around, definitely. Yeah. So, but um, no, cool, cool. Well, I mean, aside from obviously kind of hobby, um, one one of the, the, the big things that I had turned up recently was the... Um, the the latest game from uh, the guys at Monolith, uh, which was the Conflict 16, 1643, I think it was, um, which I backed as a Kickstarter. Um, that I very much saw as a spur of the moment. It was a very very short Kickstarter as well. They, they'd had a product, they designed and created. It wasn't so much a, you know, we want to put this product out there like a real Kickstarter. It was very much finding funding for the game. And I kind of figured that it probably Kickstarter itself is a is a really big topic and one that we should we should cover from a um, from a podcasting perspective. So yeah, Kickstarter in a nutshell, Jay. How, what would how would you how would you define Kickstarter in a bubble? Well, Kickstarter was supposed to be a crowdfunding uh, facility for people to um, get new projects off the ground. So in, in the case of tabletop gaming, it was people could come to Kickstarter with a prototype for a new game and then try and gain interest of the public to crowdfund it into becoming a retail product. Which sounds like a great idea. The problem is a lot of the bigger companies are just using it. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell, so a lot of the bigger companies are just using it as a pre-ordering system. Yeah, I mean, if if I had to define de- define Kickstarter, it's definitely a it's definitely a crowdfunding tool to get rich quick. What you do with the money is a different question, um, as you say, because there are certain people that do deliver, half deliver, don't deliver, and have no intention of delivering. Yeah, because if I'm correct, on the Kickstarter website, on the website itself, under the rules and obligations, it says. You, I think it basically says that you 
you put your, your you, yeah, yeah you you put your money in at your, at your risk because there's no guarantee that the the person you're backing will actually deliver mm. and I think this is one of the problems of Kickstarter um, where companies haven't delivered and it's and there's been a problem within with quite quite a few sort of tabletop games that haven't delivered but I think it's where it's really bad is in the sort of computer games yeah. sector. I think there's been more problems on that side than there is on the tabletop side. But there have been problems in people not being able to deliver within tabletop gaming. Definitely. I mean, from, from a Kickstarter perspective, they're, they're a company that set up a platform very much like an eBay. Uh, they're out to make money out of it. And in effect, people can go there create a project uh, if it gets funded successfully in terms of the limits and the, and the stretch goals and whatnot Kickstarter will take a cut of that money as their profit for hosting the website and more and as you say on the back end it's then down to the various creators of the projects to, to deliver um, and I suppose from, from personal experience I've, I've probably backed maybe 10 or so Kickstarters uh, over the past several years uh, I couldn't tell you how many years but over the past several years um, and I've been quite fortunate that uh, every single one of those projects has been fulfilled I've not backed certain computer games and things and I'm thinking of the um, the, the main one with, with a lot of challenges around this is, is it's like Squadron 42 it's the Wing Commander guys they, they set a, a brand new universe up um, and I know there's been lots of issues around um, around that but yeah, I guess from my perspective, I've only ever really backed it for uh, for board games and miniature games, um, but it's had a huge effect on on the industry all the way through, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I've not backed it anywhere near as much as you you have or or other friends have. I've generally backed smaller projects. For instance, I backed Empress Miniatures when they were they they brought out the Chinese PLA army. At the time, I was look. Um, I was just getting into moderns and then that popped up and I was like well that's different that's interesting and I, I backed it and it was quite a good uh, project and, and they delivered on time and the quality was excellent and I backed a project on Indigo for a small game called The Clash which was this weird wrestling game made by these guys French guys which delivered on time and when they said they were going to live, they delivered it. And I think when it's small projects, they get delivered on time and they get delivered quickly and the quality is there. And I don't think there's any, generally never any any issues. Um, or at least I've never had any issues with the ones I've backed, but I've only ever backed the small ones, miniatures and stuff like that. I suppose, yeah, I, I think you've been fortunate to back some of the smaller ones. Um, again, I, I've I've got the Kickstarter page up now, and it's quite scary some of the numbers and that and uh, that I've spent. And although it's in dollars, I have, I have a pretty good idea of how much they are in pounds, and um, it doesn't show half the extra stuff that I've bought as well on the back end, all the additional pledges and different different uh, bits and kits and more. Um, I mean, look at this. The first one I did was was back in 2013. Uh, which just, is going to be Kings just, of War. Just loading mine up now. Okay, well, why, why, why are you loading this up? I'll, I'll, I'll kind of run through the, the sort of ones that I've done. So, again, the very, very first one I did was Kings of War. It was when they launched the the rule book, the big new rule book they had. Uh, you could buy into a lot of the 
legacy armies and get those as, as, as bundles and then obviously as, as more kind of stuff would come on you would get the extra stuff through um, stretch goals and, and whatnot. Um, and I backed that quite heavily to the, to, the, to the figure of $275 and out of that I wound up giving most of it to you and John and I have nothing, I think anything I have is the rule book left because uh, as a backer my name's in the back of it so I thought I'll, I'll keep it for that reason but outside of that I have nothing of it left at all the next one after that which was 2014 and people are going to know this one it was Shadows of Brimstone the first time round now this definitely was a too good to be true flying frog didn't quite really grasp how big this one was going to go it took gosh like four or five years to be to be um I think it only came last year actually thinking about it to be fulfilled uh, and I got a whole a massive amount of stuff I mean poor John I think he's he's never he's never got his but I got a huge amount of stuff but this is a scary one for you $552 um I I have a friend I won't say his name um but uh he went a bit wild on a kickstarter I can't remember which one it was, but it was it was one of the big ones. And he spent a lot of money on it. And I think it cost him his relationship with his then girlfriend. Yeah, it's a bit more pricey than uh, than, than, than what I've bought. It's a few couple of years back now, but and I won't say his name because it's um, it's not fair him. But yeah, it it cost I basically he ended up splitting up with his girlfriend over his uh, money he was spending on Kickstarter. Well I'm glad that past partners of mine have never seen how much. I mean, you know, so far we're, we're through two and in theory we're already on the better part of $800 um, next up we've got Star Trek Axanar which was a, a, a fan production that I backed followed by uh, the Conan game that Mythic Battles did uh, that's on $135 here but I spent a whole bunch extra on buying all the expansions I could for it so that wound up being like a $300 gig um, Another Mantic one. I put a only dollar this time to get access to the to the Kickstarter uh, pledge manager for Warpath, which was Mantic's version of uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand, a, a sort of sci-fi uh, futuristic battle game um, that was again sort of having its second wind really, and, and and the big investment to push the game to the next level. Um, after that, I backed one of the the local independent stores, um, Patriot Games. They they were looking to move and looking to crowdfund some of the facilities uh, in their new store so that was 85 pounds um, that's there my name's on the wall as one of the backers for it then we've got mythic battles pantheon which is the, the another big one that i did that was another 600 pound um kickstarter with the core box the expansion box the titans hera Poseidon, lots and lots and lots of bits with that um and i got that delivered what 20, 2018 maybe and I've just literally sold a lot of it having realised I'm never going to play it and it was all sealed um, up in up in one of the cupboards so it, it's all gone back on eBay uh, and uh, and mostly sold uh, after that we've got another Kickstarter for um, a 28 28mm uh, female assassins kind of like think uh, Makoto Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell or um Gazelle from the first um, Kingsman movies, you know, chicks with like you know samurai swords and stuff. There's uh, Escape the Dark Castle. I backed the second Kickstarter for that, which is a card game, uh, which is a, a fantastic little game actually. So I'm really chuffed with that one. 
and I've actually got the money out of it as well. So of all the Kickstarters so far, it's the first one I've got the value out of. We've then got Mythic Battles 1.5 uh, for $65, Claustrophobia is $101, and the last thing I backed, which was uh, for Vampire Masquerade, was the Chicago by Night expansion. So all in, there's bonkers amount of money, probably the better part of $2,000, if not more, that I've spent over the last yeah, five no, years. No, no yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, backed a, I backed a few. I, I backed Warpath. Mm-hmm. Um, I initially put in a dollar because I wasn't after, I think, the base game at the time. I was just after some of the miniatures. Um, and I got some of the miniatures and ended up being rather disappointed with them because they were that... Restic stuff. Restic, yeah. yeah, and I just and I got rid of them. And I'm quite happy I didn't buy into the game either. Um, I also backed Kings of War. Um, Is that the original one or the or the, or the oh, since second edition? Gone? Okay, yeah. Um, so I funded first, you funded second. <laughs> Fist bump. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what I actually because I put the same again. I put a dollar in to get to the pledge manager because I was, and I and I think in the end I I don't think I actually bought anything. Mm. Um, I think I was planning to, and then I decided not to. Um, I think I don't. I don't know. There was this company that made some old school metal orcs, which I backed. Like six quid. Bargain, yeah. And they're nice, really great little miniatures, really old retro old school. Um, I then went into Dreadball Extreme. Okay. Um, put a pound in initially for the to get myself into the pledge manager, and then I bought a load of teams. Um, I still got most of them. Mm. Um, and I bought so I bought a load of the rule books as well. I don't think I spent more than 30, 40 quid, something like that. Yeah. Um, Empress miniatures I went in on about put thirty pound in and then and then put some extra in afterwards in the pledge manager. I think I ended up spending like fifty quid, something like that. Yeah. And then finally I went in on this one that was called Gnomish Adventures. I think they were called by um Stonehaven or something like that. Which was like forty six dollars for a whole set of Gnomish um, adventures which I've still got upstairs and I haven't painted. They're on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah, and that was in 2013. Wow. <laughs> I backed that <laughs> six years ago and it's sat in a box still. I mean, it, sort of looking back and reflecting on it all, um, again, I, I think I've been very, very fortunate to have actually had all these Kickstarters deliver. But just looking through the list of the ones that we've backed, it's quite heavily mantic on your side. With obviously a few other... Um, independent people, you know, you've got Dreadball, you've got Warpath, you've got yeah. Kings of War. On mine, we've got Warpath, Kings of War. So you know, two of the ones I listed, and they've they, they've definitely taken advantage. There, of there was another one I backed, um, called Armored Syndicate, which um, when it was originally it was it originally went on as a skirmish game, and then for some reason it was changed to a board game. And I think at the point that they changed it, it said it's pulled it being a skirmish. I said it was going to be a board-based game. It didn't. People started. Wasn't that what they call it? So we saw it the um, salute. Oh. Um, they did the mecha brick. Yeah, thing. it is. Yeah. 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 It's mecha brick. Um, and and then it ended up getting pulled. He did. A, he, he fair play to him. He refunded everyone that back. They put money into it, um, but it, yeah, it was just a bit. 
that one if it had left it if he had left it as a skirmish game it probably would have been funded um when they switched it around to being a board game it, people started pulling off it pulling yeah. out of it and then it just fell apart which is a full unfortunate because the miniatures were really nice and I've got some of them I bought some of the miniatures separately um, and it was a really really nice cool concept it's just unfortunate it was one of those ones that didn't quite make it yeah I mean it's interesting kind of looking back of, of, of over the history of backing the stuff on Kickstarter but also how it's changed I mean you know you touched on the fact earlier on that a lot of companies once they'd cottoned on to the fact that you could use Kickstarter as a, for lack of a better term, a, a, a giant pre-ordering system or to gauge the interest in a particular idea, a lot of them kind of really just went down that road and almost it felt like they were doing nothing but Kickstarters. Yeah, um, I, I'm not a massive fan of the Kickstarter system, I'll, I'll be fair. Um, and I have pledged and got stuff off Kickstarter, but overall I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, I think, and it's simply because majority of it doesn't make retail. Mm. So all these pe- people that invest money into the Kickstarter buy a load of stuff. Once the Kickstarter finishes, it don't go to retail, and that's it. The game kind of like disappears. And it's if you if you've heavy, invested heavily into a particular game. But you're the only poor you're the only poor bugger that's done it in your area it's a complete waste of money because there's no one gonna you're not gonna find anyone to play unless it's a self-contained board game and which is slightly different because then you can you can get people to game but if it's a kind of miniatures based game that requires someone else to have their own elements of the game as well in order for you like to play like a normal war game or something like that but I think it's just it kind of falls flat on its face at that point because if you don't make retail no I no mean, one's buying it else in your area which means you're not likely to get a game and B there's no more support I, I can only really think of one game that I would say is has officially broken that mould and that's Walking Dead as far as something that went to I'm sure it went to Kickstarter I think no, it no, it didn't. Did it? No. I thought it did. No, I because it was it, Walking Dead. Um, Mantix didn't. I'm, I'm, still did it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and check that. I'm check I'm, because I'm, I'm, check I, I'm not hundred sure percent because it might, it may have done, or it may not have done, due on because so of the IP. Just randomly, Mantic have had seventeen, um, seventeen Kickstarter that they created. Uh, let's quickly go through. No, I don't think they did. We've got Kings of War, Dreadball, Lorca, Dead Zone, which um, I remember Jonathan had and, and bought some bits off him. Mars Attacks, Dreadball Extreme, Dungeon Saga, Kings of War 2nd Edition, Dead Zone Infestation, Warpath, Walking Dead, All Out War Ninjas game. There it is. So it's a mm. Kickstarter. In fact, let's have a quick look at the uh, the page for it. So Walking Dead, is, as, as most people will know, is based on the comics and the TV series itself is based on the comics as well. But the uh, the game was basically designed as a skirmish game um, to utilise the IP from the comics, uh, and it's gone bonkers huge. I mean, looking at this back in the day, um, just under three thousand eight hundred backers 
pledge just shy of sort of seven or seven hundred thousand dollars to bring the game to life. Um, and since then, it's gone, you know, from from strength to strength to strength, hasn't it? I'm a I'm a big fan of the Walking Dead TV show, um, and I've read some of the comics. I I didn't know about the comics until um, afterwards, but I was a big fan of Walking Dead. But I didn't back on the Kickstarter, mm. and it's simply because I didn't want to back something that if then didn't make retail, I, I was left with a product. I I, I guess I guess I couldn't Walking play. Um, but fortunately, Walking Dead hit retail, and I I picked it up in retail, and it's um. It is a really good game. It's of those zombie-style games. It's one of the better ones out there. Definitely, um, it's one of those ones where I think it borders being a self-contained game and being expandable quite nicely. It's not like it's a war game, war game like a like a Warpath or something. It's, it's definitely self-contained. Yeah, within that. I think, and I, and I think how they they've done that was because they put in the mats, or the you know. The gaming, I suppose you could call it a mat, even though map it's made tiles. out. Yeah, 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 pay, yeah, it's made out of paper. But, the, but they did also do neoprene ones as well. But because they put that in there, that kind of gives you like a board, mm. uh, and you put your terrain down and bits and bobs on it. Uh, and so yeah, it can be classed as being self-contained. And if you buy some expansions and add to it, you could still play it like a board game I suppose yeah where each of you takes so many figure um, characters to play and, and um, you do whatever it is you're going to be doing on the in the scenario you're playing and it doesn't have to be you don't have to run it in a campaign you can just play one-offs with it definitely I mean it's 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 a very very good example of one that's managed to go through Kickstarter and survive to, to jump into retail and absolutely thrive the, there's one Kickstarter that I kick myself for never backing. I know which one you're going to say. And then it, and I couldn't back it at the time because I just couldn't afford to. I wish I bought them all before they'd even gone to Kickstarter because they'd be worth a fortune. And and I have since bought some miniatures from the range, and that's Kingdom of Death. Kingdom that is Kingdom the one Death, Kickstarter yeah. that I kick myself for not ever being able to back. Oh, definitely. I mean, you you, you bought on a, 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 a another good point there. Which basically is the the Kickstarter milestones um, and the really big like mega projects that I guess steal a lot of people onto Kickstarter because before this you know you, you you got the you know the things like the the Kings of War one which made you know a, a fair decent bit of money and then it it was okay but that was one of the biggest ones then Kingdom Death came in and did like four times as much it was like a multi million pound. Completely I, unheard of. It was it was bonkers that first Kickstarter they did. It, it yeah, made so much I, I, money. And I think even um, Pooch that um, owns Kingdom of Death um, I, uh, and the company that makes it um, was even blown away by how much it it made. Uh, I mean, I mean, I remember Pooch coming over to the UK when he was just selling one-offs and bits. Of yeah, boxes, boutique, so, yeah. Min, boutique miniatures, and he kept saying that there was a game to come. There was a game to come. And then it hit Kickstarter, and it went absolutely oh, it exploded, nuts. Yeah. And and I think even he was shocked by how big it went, how quickly it went. I mean, and he's met. I mean, that one product has set him, his company up, for a long time. Oh, it's definitely taken it from from a garage and a bit of a bit of fun on the side. Well, he used, to, he used to, to post pictures online. 
of him and his other and his um I think at the time his girlfriend were packing boxes in the studio flat of theirs surrounded yeah. by bo- boxes and packets of miniatures ba- packing them up from their uh, flat or, or apartment as they're called in America yeah no d- again it, it was it was bonkers huge I mean I I kick myself for not backing it I guess it's one of those ones where um, I don't get me wrong you know I've, I've got disposable income but I am I am money conscious about how much I go and dump into these things Um and I remember looking at the pledges and thinking, you know, it's getting getting quite pricey here. Because I think that's that's one of the things that is quite dangerous. It's it's exhilarating, but it is quite dangerous with with Kickstarter. Is that, you know, nine times out of ten, you want to go in for everything because yeah. there's a fear that there'll be something limited, or you're only going to have half of the thing, or you know, that way down the line it's going to cost you an absolute fortune on eBay. So it's often better to go in for like the mega pledge and i really don't think that those those mega pledges existed until you got the things like the kingdom death and and again to things like the the mythic battles pantheon where it was like you know for x hundred dollars you can have this 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 and everything that we that we release through um through the uh, stretch goals uh, and a prime example of this and the, and the one that i thought was going to be amazing but on reflection it took forever to get the stuff with Shadows of Brimstone, which again was a similar gig to, you know, like with the um, with with the Conan game and other ones and stuff. You, you see a fantastic product, a really cool idea and background. You know, the idea of the the dark stone meteor and it all kind of warps and changes people and that whole Cthulhu tentacly element of it, and the different worlds and the universes and you know all the stuff that goes with it. And yeah, it it, it went bonkers, silly, really. You know, I, I, I remember going in for you know, one of the minecart pledges and just adding money and more money and more money and there's almost a race to to get to the next stretch goal. Um, and that whole stretch goal thing, I mean, even a lot of companies would have been burned by this where people would uh, up their pledges to hit the next stretch goal, reveal what it is and then lower their pledges back down again and uh, try and find out what, what was in line for um, for the next releases. So, even that's an, that, that's that's been an interesting one. And again, there's, there's lots of companies that have had really nice ideas for for the pledge managers and expansion sets and more. Um, but again, it it, it works out bonkers expensive. The one I I think of last time that, I, and I and I don't know. I'm I'm still fifty fifty whether I should have carried on or not. Was the um, the Avalon one, um, the uh, the King Arthur one. Um, I forget what it's called now, but it was it was Avalon, it was Fall of Avalon, or something like that, or or um, it, it'll come to me later. But I, I was really going in for that one quite heavily to begin with, and then I'm, I'm noticing like more expansions and another eighty pound box or another sixty pound expansion box and more cards and gosh, this game's getting really big. And before you know it, you wind up with you know yeah. like with Mythic Battles, I had the core box, the Pandora box, the um, Corinthia box, the Heroes of Trojan War box, the Atlas box, the Hero box, the Poseidon box, the uh, Hephaestus box, the other box, the, 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 the maps, this, that, the extra tiles, it's just exponential, where, where are you supposed to put it all? And that hence why it was all still sealed. You know, you, you kind of have to really pull yourself back when you're committing bonkers amounts of money to these yeah, things. The only, the only game I was going, I was backing and was going to go bonkers over was Dragon Tides 
in which was the Bruce Lee game. And all the expansions had characters that they were pretty much like Jackie Chan, but they weren't called Jackie Chan and um, Van Damme and all the rest of the, the big sort of Hollywood and Asian martial art actors. And and it, it, it kind of, it, it fell apart because they didn't have... Um, copyright licensing and stuff like that ah, so they had, a, they had IP the, basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah they had the licensing for the actual base game which had Bruce Lee Brandon Lee in, in it but beyond that they didn't from what I can gather they didn't they didn't have any licensing and someone somewhere um, put a kibosh on it I yeah. suspect it's probably one of the actors who's um, likeness was being used yeah, or something. I suspect it may have been someone like Sylvester Stallone because he's very big on it on that on his image and his eye because I think he brands himself he is yeah. a brand and, and he's very big on that could have been someone like Jackie Chan because he's the same um, so anyway that fell apart I then picked up the base game later on on eBay because apparently they, they did actually produce the base game um before it was pulled off Kickstarter and just kind of flogged them on the side. Yeah, well, they had the copyright for that, for the base game, but they didn't have anything for all the extras. Right, okay. And because when it all started falling apart, I just pulled my pledge out because I thought I might not get my money back. So I pulled, when all things started going wrong, I pulled my pledges out. Um, but apparently they did deliver on the base game. So I ended up having to buy the base game on eBay, which was quite fortunate because I got it for half the price it was being sold for on Kickstarter yeah so but yeah that was the one game I was like really going in for like oh I'm going to get that I'm going to get that because it was the miniatures were really nice they were they were based on famous people that was to be fair and that was one of one of the uh, things that were attracting me to it but it looked like a with the expansions looked like it might be quite a good game Um, and yeah had it not fallen apart I probably would have spent a few quid on it. Uh, and the only other one I was tempted to go all in on was, and I don't think it made, the, got to the point of going to Kickstarter, because it was, I think it was just being advertised for Gator's Kickstarter, was HeroQuest. So, oh, oh, yeah, so um, I was waiting for you, for you to kind of say that. Um, I was a backer of the HeroQuest one before it got pulled. Because again, the artwork and the miniatures, it, it looked a really, really good product. And to say it was a, it was a, I mean, for lack of a better term, it was a, it was a, it was a new reskin of an original game, a fantastic original game, might I add. But it was, it was a reskin. But the models were looking really, really good. That's what attracted me was the miniatures. The yeah. miniatures looked amazing. They did, they did definitely. And again, it, it, they'd, they'd mapped it out very, very nicely with, with the various, you know, stretch goals and more. And I'm not sure who put and who. Call, I, no, no, I, I do know because it's that other company that 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 had got the the name Hero Quest for one of their RPG books, hadn't it? That's yeah. what that's what killed killed their version off because it was with the Spanish guys that were trying to do it. It was. But they also in, didn't have the IP permission from who owned Hero Quest. It was M- MB Games, I think, originally owned it. Yeah, but. Um, well, well, I'm not sure if MB Games were bought out by Hasbro. They were, which, which means that Hasbro owned. The, yeah, and I didn't. They didn't have the IP f- permissions from 
I think I'm almost going to say Hasbro because I'm assuming it was Hasbro. I think that it's Hasbro, owns, yeah. now owns the, the IP for Hero Quest board game. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where it could have been a fantastic product had it come out. I know it went to another type of Kickstarter, kind of like Indiegogo type of, you know, whatever there was um, another one of them was called. I can't think of the name now. Um, but yeah, it got that far, and I, I know a friend of mine from school backed it, but I don't think it ever delivered. No. Um, which again is 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 the whole. It, is it the got buried. It got buried in um, legalism, legalism okay. legalisms, and various other court-based necessary no. stuff. It, yeah, that that's the that's the negative side of it. I mean, just just to go back on the one I was thinking of earlier, it was Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon, um, it recently finished on Kickstarter. You know, bonkers numbers. Forty, just shy of forty-two thousand backers, pledging four point nine four million pounds. You know, almost five million quid. That's abs- That's like a you know, more than what you know most most independent films get, <laughs> as far as as far as budget and stuff are concerned. But to to say that, you know, this is a game that someone has obviously thought of and and play tested, but is doing massive massive numbers is is. It's unheard of before Kickstarter, and it really has been a fantastic tool for getting a lot of these ideas from people. And don't you know, as you say, some of the ideas are great and fantastic. You know that that there's an appeal for it, whether it's the the you know the Fall of Avalon stuff, the the um, the Hero Quest, the Jackie Chan Kung Fu game, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, that you got upstairs, which I think was a Kickstarter as well. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, uh, Walking Dead. You know, a lot of this kind of stuff is you know, even the Terminator game that we talked about other week. Um, yeah. that came. I'm sure that went went through Kickstarter for River Horse, if I remember rightly. I think so. I'm not sure. I could Google, it, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll carry on because we, there's there's so many projects in Kickstarter, but it's it's amazing how. But the the, the problem here is with Kickstarter is that if 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 you because a lot of them do the expansions for the games as a way of building up pledges and getting people momentum and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that if you don't get those expansions whilst it's on Kickstarter, you run the risk of you you buy the base game and then you get it gets delivered and you have difficulty then later on at some point trying to get hold of them if it hasn't gone to retail. Yeah. And this is my biggest problem with Kickstarter is that the majority of it doesn't go to retail. So unless you've gone and pledged. 400 quid to get everything you're going to have difficulty getting it afterwards and then you, you get to the point where you're going to have to scour eBay for it and you're paying s- silly money yeah. for an expansion because it was only so many of them made whilst on the um, whilst it was on the Kickstarter yeah I mean the the, the whole the whole eBay thing um, I mean from my perspective the MIDI battles I, I simply listed it at what I wouldn't have minded. So for some of these expansions, I put forty quid. It's what you'd expect to pay for an expansion box anyway, of a good, of a good decent side, and let people pay what they want to pay for it. I don't expect to go and put something on there and go and sell it for, for bonkers money. But people have cottoned on to the fact that you can do that yeah. and get the bonkers money for the expansions, whether that's, you know, characters, core sets, you know, the the. the uh, expansion boxes, the the Kickstarter exclusive miniature that you only get with this particular version of the game if you're one of the first backers, and you know there's loads of that kind of stuff that's uh, that's in there, and has definitely spawned a, a a very very massive secondary market 
and you're right you know if, if you've got the if you're in the position to go and dump that kind of money on a game and buy all the expansions and stuff great but as you say because not everyone knows about that game to buy it and there's a very very short window with these kickstarters you're talking a month mm. you know whether you could be you could be out of the country you know focus on something else not catch a kickstarter not be on the first 24 hours you it's very very difficult to be well, in the could, know for everything be, it could just be that it comes up that month and on that month you've had bills to pay or you die for the car like yeah, i just had 140 quid un, un, you know unexpected bills and you're, you're short of cash and you miss it yeah and then it don't go to retail and then you you either have to bite the bite the bullet and pay whatever it is being charged on eBay for it, or you don't get it at all. No, I mean some some people definitely cottoned onto the the late pledge, which you can do, um, where you can buy into you know after the after the campaign you know you pay some extra money and you get a base version of the you know, I don't know maybe it hasn't got that exclusive miniature or it hasn't got that fancy cover art and whatnot with it or something else, but people have cottoned onto that. But it's the, the one bit I would love to know is if you were to calculate all this money that's been spent on Kickstarter, which again, you know, plenty of positives out of it for the new games and things that have come, how much of that money has not gone back into the regular side of the industry that we have today with the likes of, you know, Fantasy Flights and Workshop and other manufacturers that have not seen that it's, cash? It's, it's not just them, it's your local stores. Oh, yeah, the independent stock issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if people are spending all their money on Kickstarter, that means they're not going down to the independent store and buying products off the shelf. And you may get to a point where you lose lose your independent stores because everyone's buying on Kickstarter. And I've heard people say, well, that's not that much of a bad thing, to be fair. What's the big deal? Everyone buys on eBay on, on uh, eBay or online, um, online down the high streets disappearing yeah. in the UK anyway. I'm like, well, there's a slight difference for losing HMV or Next or Laura Ashley or something like that in um, in comparison to losing your gaming store. Because your gaming store isn't just where you buy uh, items for the hobby. No, it's, 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 it's the centre of the community, isn't yeah. it, for this stuff? You know, anyone yeah. can sit in the room and buy from eBay or from Amazon, and it's great. I've got a box of tanks. You can, you can go in there. Um, for instance, you can move to a new place. You don't know any. You don't know anyone. You may know work colleagues and that, but you can go to your local independent store, and you can pretty much guarantee to find out where the local clubs are, um, what they're playing locally. Hmm. Um, how many times they meet and stuff, where they meet and stuff and stuff like, that. and and suddenly, you can it can be a starting point of you get of you finding your way into the community, in a new place when you if you've moved. And you speak experience obviously. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I you know I've moved about um, around a bit the last few years, and each time I've moved, I've gone to the local store, whether it's been a games workshop store or it's been an independent. And I found out information from them about what was happening in the area with with the hobby wise, what game, what what uh, clubs there are, and what events and stuff like that. And it's always been my first point of call to find out something about the hobby community within the, that new area. Mm. Um, 
and in a lot of cases I've made new friends that's also been my first port of call of making new friends yeah from the community as well the hobby community so I think per, my, my personal view is I'm not a big fan of Kickstarter because I think it, it is slowly helping to kill off your independent stores you, it's not going to kill off games workshop stores because they're always going to be games workshop stores um, but independent stores I think yeah so I think it's on a detrimental effect on them and I think that's a bad thing for the hobby wouldn't you say that, that it Kickstarter seems to have had a slowdown though um, I would probably say yes because there was a period I, I would say around 2012-2015 where projects were coming in on the Kickstarter and they were going massive they were hitting a million, two million, three million you know the kingdom of the death side of death scale mm. um, Mantic were like it was every couple of months they had a new one and they were always hitting at least half uh, half four, a million quid's worth yeah, of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and now there's still a you know ton of stuff coming in on Kickstarter but they're not hitting the numbers they were hitting originally no, I, I think I think there's, there's, the the big ones are still doing good numbers. So you know, you, again, your you things like your Kingdom Death, your your Dark Souls, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think now it has to be. It's to be a mega big big one. Like yeah, yeah, it has to be an exceptional product. Well, again, goes back to the um, that other like that. Before it, has to, it has to. Yeah, it has to be something on the scale of Kingdom of Death now, to hit. Mm. To hit a good, it's a good a good size, and it still probably won't hit a Kingdom of Death scale. No, I mean it's interesting you said that because like you know thinking back on things, I'm thinking of all the of all the cool mini stuff that came, all the versions of Zombicide that came and went. I mean you've bought stuff on eBay that that should have gone that came out as a Kickstarter box and you got it for peanuts. Um, yeah, yeah, there's been quite a few of those, um, um, and I, th I think that's I, I think part of that part part of the reason that is is because there's so much being churned out. There's no not just on Kickstarter, but other by companies that don't use Kickstarter, like you know the Fantasy Flights Games Workshop. They're churning out so much product, people can't keep up, uh, and most people, unless you're unless you're Mr. Barker, who's got a bleeding massive great big garage yeah. space to, to sh shove all of his uh, hobby material, hobby games and stuff. Most people have only got a finite amount of space and. Yeah, it's a finite amount of space and a finite amount of cash. Um, and again, I, I know for a fact and that it's stuff definitely goes on to, Stuff goes on to eBay simply because they've played it a few times, something new's come along, and it's just one of the items they're going to get rid of because they need to make space for something new. I mean, it, it's definitely a... I suppose to, 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 to touch on, on, on your point about not liking Kickstarter, I do think there's a time and a place for it, but I definitely think it's been abused, and, and I think there's a lot of companies out there that have taken the the, the mick with stuff. Um, you know, you're shelling over an amount of money for something that supposedly will be delivered to you within a year usually, and you're often waiting four or five years. So it's definitely a little bit cheating in that respect. Yeah, um, but I, I think a part of that problem is um, lack of experience from people. Yeah. Most of this stuff is being most most of this stuff is being made in China. There are only so many factories in China. Well, let's let's go one further back. Before all this happened, 
manufacturing for, on, on this type of stuff was only done by the big the big people the big players the workshops and you know Renendra was just getting into it and things and whatnot and and the whole Kickstarter thing has spawned an entire like valley full of factories in China that are now just producing board game pieces and we've met some of these guys yeah and we've been to the, the shows at like the you know the the UK Expo and whatnot where they have you know various companies are demoing their kit and their their capabilities as far as metal oh, miniatures yeah. cards, and, and these, plastics you know the, the top end the top end top end of that uh, of that industry in China produce really good quality stuff yeah I think what most people seem to forget when they're dealing with the Chinese factories those that are not as experienced as some of the bigger boys is that they seem to forget there was a period in China in the calendar from pretty much the beginning of February right through to March Chinese that New it Year. shuts down because of Chinese New Year yeah um, and it literally when I say shuts down it shuts down nothing is, is everyone is off oh I, I totally get that I mean I, I, I work in IT and it's always one of the big things you know if you buy Lenovo for example which is um, um, effectively it's uh, um, uh, is it IBM? Is it IBM? I think it's IBM. Yeah, Lenovo is like it's, it's from IBM. Basically, if you buy Lenovo, you have to put your order in before Christmas. Um, and if you if you anything from the factory, it's a six week build time. So you know, literally, if you don't order by Christmas, it ain't shipped out by the end of January. And then as you say, the giant shutdown yeah. where everything closes for Chinese New Year I, I, and nothing picks back up until the end of April. This is a mistake that a lot of people make. I just oh, well, I say make. I just suspect they make because of a lack of um, knowledge and experiences that they're probably putting in orders in January forgetting that the China, China shuts down for yeah. virtually two months and then they don't that order probably don't get started until they come back in March April time it, it goes more than that though it's, it's that strategic planning when, what time of year do you do your Kickstarter you know when, when when does it finish when do you commit to the order when do you commit to your prototype when do you expect to get it into the various I, I regions would, I would if, if it was me and I was going to be running Kickstarter for a board game I would put my Kickstarter on during Chinese New Year yeah and then so, so when time. it comes over I know I've got from that point at the end of Chinese New Year right around to January um, in which to get stuff into the factory and start being produced Ideally, it's shipping out by the time yeah. New Year's come. But that, I mean, that is all dependent on their schedule. And backload of work, yeah. yeah. And again, I think that's something that, that people don't really think of or consider either. Again, it's different at the start when you when you look at people that have, you know, got quite early onto the bandwagon and been able to take advantage of manufacturing in China, where, where manufacturers are, you know, screaming out for work. Um, but now, you know, you, you can't seem to get, get, the, um, get the space in that... Uh, in that in that build schedule onto the queue because there's just so much that's coming and it's it's coming in all different wacky shapes and sizes and more. Well, I I've got quite a few people that work um, in those companies on my uh, LinkedIn, um, and they're always putting up images of new products they're putting out, um, stuff they're doing for other people, and the scale of production they're doing. Yeah, I mean there's. There's a couple of people that I'm, I've got on my LinkedIn that work for a company that produce cards for, for board games and 
playing cards. Oh, like TCGs and stuff like yeah, Magic. Yeah, various little bits and pieces. Um, everything from a simple, you know, poker card um, cards with various different designs on them through to um, doing stuff for the big Chinese collectible card game, um, Free Kingdoms, I think it's called, something like that. Yeah. And they're churning stuff out like nobody's business. I mean, we're talking massive orders um, and it's constant. And I'm kind of like, how easy are you going to be able to fit in a yeah. new Kickstarter? Uh, you know, and there's loads of Kickstarters coming out and, and the, these companies are, um, are taking on that work. And I, don't, I, I suspect that there might be a case of people in China say yeah no problem no problem we'll get it yeah, done yeah give us money give us money we yeah, can do it we'll we get can it do done it. yeah and then there are delays because they know they can't get it done in this kind of schedule because they're doing yeah. like 50 million other projects oh no totally and and, and you know you've, you've got key ones again the shadows of brimstone um, drop drop fleet commander you know and uh, to, to, to name just two that were were heavily delayed and not necessarily you know potentially through through China but just because of not really I suppose getting the fact of how strategically you have, you have to plan these things um, and again you know all you have to do is look at that and we were sharing links with that other day on Facebook about this about the number of Kickstarters that have failed uh, people that have gone out and bought BMWs and bought brands you know rented massive studios and things and the money's just dried up I mean a, a mega example is Robotech um, which you know fantastic IP great bunch of products a bonkers Kickstarter with you know thousands of backers and multi-million pounds so multi-million dollar uh, pledges um, into it and the company went bust couldn't deliver and, and I think um, again uh, John he, he only got a, a fraction of the stuff in the end and lost out loads of money uh, so much so that pe people are taking them to court now and it's 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 definitely had you know a negative effect on people backing kickstarters and things for sure maybe that's well, why we are we're seeing the resurgence of of product going back into store now quite possibly yeah i mean and there is there is quite a big one recently i think it was ninja division mm. if i'm correct in thinking that um where they have massive problems uh, trying to find the article about it where basically people were suggesting that they were basically using they were putting my Kickstarter on um, and in order to fill that Kickstarter they were putting another Kickstarter on okay, and the so money from that second Kickstarter was funding the first Kickstarter, first Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% um, sure if that's accurate or not, but that's what a lot of people online were saying was happening. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it definitely shows that that while people can have a great design and they can put numbers and stuff on paper, it takes a lot to actually get a product out the door. And again, all you have to do is look at the, you know, some companies have managed it perfectly. You know, Mantic, they've, they've, as far as I know, they've never been late on a Kickstarter. They've always, they've always got the stuff produced and they've always shipped it. Um, again, there's other ones I can think of where it's been delay, 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 and I never thought I'd see the stuff. Well, there's 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 a particular chap called Ken. I won't put his surname out there, that most people probably have heard that are in 
that are aware of Kickstarters um, and Kickstarters that have gone bad are, are probably quite well aware of this particular individual. He's had six Kickstarters, none of them have ever filled. Why isn't he about bad from Kickstarter there? Because he's, he's, he's giving these things a bad name. Yeah. Um, and I think he's made around £200,000 from, from the money that's been pledged mm. on, on these Kickstarters, but he's never fulfilled any, any of them. Um, and I think this is where the problem with Kickstarter lies is that doing it once is pretty bad yeah. to do it six times and well, there's been no repercussions it shows no accountability either yeah. does it really um, I, I think that's the, that is a big issue of Kickstarter I mean yes these weren't massive amounts of money all six projects in total met, only netted under £200,000 I know, but still two hundred thousand mm. pounds. That's a lot of it's a lot disgruntled of, people that are yeah, out there. Uh, you know, if you'd have placed twenty quid, you'd, you'd be you'd be fuming compared to the guy that's paid four hundred quid for some of it. Um, yeah, it's not it's not massive amounts of money, but it's still money people have put forward in good faith. Yeah. Um, but the other one is is that he's at at the point he's on he's on number six. He's had five he's not fulfilled. Why were people putting him in on a sixth one? Well, yeah, that that's the other side of it, isn't it? You know, you, you've obviously got some people that that will feed you excuse after excuse after excuse, and people will still give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and again, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a number of projects like this where, you know, I know people that have ordered stuff, it's never been delivered, been half delivered, you know. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely swings around about so I, I suppose it kind of brings it to a. To a, to a kind of final place really you know for Kickstarter for what it is for what it's done for the money it's made um, definitely some good definitely a lot of bad well I, I think in the beginning in the early days of it I think there was um, some good it did some good good for a lot of companies people like you know Kingdom of Death um, come on um, they um, and Mantic to a you know, degree they, I mean they were able to expand and in the, in the case of Mantec they were able to expand their ranges and expand the company for people like Poots he was to get that dream idea off the ground yeah um, I think his plan was just to get a game made and get some I don't think it ever occurred to me to go as big as it is and no. become such a um, mammoth um, Well, yeah, it has. I think it has done some good for those that have managed to get dream projects out and out to the public. I just think that um, we're now seeing it becoming a bit of a, a bit Achilles, abused. Yeah, yeah, an Achilles heel to the industry. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a very very it's a very powerful sword to swing, and it all depends on 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 who's swinging it. If you, if the right person's swinging it. You know, you get some fantastic products that come out of the back end of it. You know, again, the the Kingdom Deaths, the Dark Souls, the the, the Mythic Battles. Um, you know, plenty of those really high high caliber, high quality products and games that you know, with the multiple expansions and 
and more that, that definitely come. And on the flip side, if the wrong person's wielding it, you know, you wind up with some absolute disasters. Again, the, the Robotech being one of the biggest ones that I'm aware of um, outside of any of the computer game stuff. Um, and again, I, I know we're giving a very, a very thin slice of the Kickstarter pie because there are so many projects and things on there. People there, are phones and gadgets and other gimmicks and more. We're only doing the board game piece and the and the tabletop uh, piece. Yeah, that you, if you delve into the video games, that's an even bigger mess. Uh, there's lots of projects that failed yeah. and lots of um, not only failed to deliver completely or they've not delivered what they said they were going to deliver um, there's been a lot more issues in the video game sector mm. of, of Kickstarter than, than it has in tabletop but I'm just looking at an article here about Kingdom of Death um, and apparently the article is saying that over since the Kickstarter including the Kickstarter and since the Kickstarter Kingdom of Death has made 12.4 million that's crazy man money yeah. And, and and this is something that it, it, it'd have never been able to do if not for the Kickstarter platform no it uh, never. So, so I think def definitely for, 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 for him for, for Monolith for, for Mantic it, def it definitely has yielded a lot of um, a lot of good really and I suppose it's at the end of the day you know like, like anything and, and there's another similar topic we want to do about, about recasting um, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, things like Kickstarter will still remain as popular as it is now while people are still there prepared to give the money over. Yeah. But once that changes, whether it's with enough horror stories or if there is a slowdown, whether it's the difficulties of people in the UK post-Brexit, if we haven't got a trade deal, you know, it, talk, it might be EU-friendly shipping, but it ain't going to be going to be as easy to get in the UK, for example, um, after the fact or, or, or what. But, yeah, there's definitely a... Um, I wouldn't say turbulent times ahead, but there's going to be some much more interesting times ahead for the whole Kickstarter piece. Um, but I suppose from my own personal um, final thoughts on the matter, it's it's a tool. It's there. I'm much more conscious of what I choose to spend on Kickstarter. Again, the the last ones that I've done have only been about fifty quid um, for for the likes of um, uh, a single board game. Which is that uh, Escape the Dark Castle, which is a fantastic game by the guys at Themeborn. Really, really good game. Um, definitely captures the mood and the feel they want. Uh, and, and an RPG book um, to be produced. Uh, and the, these are, from my perspective, quite quite low risk and low value investments that I've done. But I definitely think my days of the the mega seven hundred and something, you know, dollars massive pledge for you know umpteen boxes that I can stack as high as the bloody window upstairs or something those are definitely off the table for for, for space and for um the fact that i've done it four or five times and i've i've never got the value out of them you know no. i've spent the money and they've sat there sealed and for some people that might be great to have them one day but you know of all the things we have tanks we've got 40k we've got necromunda we've got rpgs we've got board games when am i ever going to find the time to like delve into the ancient greek world and do mythic battles and create tables and boards and custom scenery and proxy models and this and that and rebasing them all yeah and, yeah exactly I, I'm, I'm quite glad i've never been enamored with kickstarter because i think i would have gone but better as bonkers as everyone else over it though I, I i still may wish i had backed kingdom of death yeah of course yeah i i'm i'm looking at the, some of the images on here on this article and, and I can like, God, I wish I, wish I really had backed it. Poots is a sick, sick man. 
<laughs> oh, some, some, some of the artwork is... Yeah, I've seen that one before. Yeah, the, 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 the tentacle he, mummy thing. Yeah, but he's also a genius at the same time. Yeah. Well, again, it's the whole thing of he's, he's, he's found a niche within the market and, and he's definitely done it. And it's, it's funny that you wish you'd back stuff. I wish I'd not back stuff. Yeah. So what does that tell you about about kind of well, a, a, everything on reflection, really? I say, I, it's only the one I game I wish I'd back. But still, to, to back that and to begin with that, you'd probably be looking at 400 quid plus. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Which it is was, easy what I, what I spend on Mythic Battles and I've got no value out of it. Again, I'm not, I'm not dissing the product, I think, but... I think the original big buy-in at the time, the first time it was on there, I think it was about two hundred something pounds. It's right? a big starter box. You got all yeah. the plastic kits yeah. and the, like the things. I yeah. mean, I've since gone and bought the pinups. Um, but yeah, I, it was. I wish I'd back back that game. It is every time I read about it, watch videos about it, people you know, doing unboxings and all they done play throughs and stuff like that. I'm kind of. Yeah. Wish I had backed it. Yeah. But you know. Well, all I would say is don't lose sleep on it because I'm sure there'll be another Kickstarter from those guys or another range of stuff to come. Well, yeah, Pooch is bound to do something else. Exactly. It's equally as bizarre and strange. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose they, they have it. We've, we've kind of gone through some some thoughts and experiences and things with Kickstarter. You know, for, for better or worse, it, it's a tool. It's there. Um, let us know what, what you guys think about it, really, and... I'll say thank you for joining us for for this episode of the Irregular Podcast. We'll see you later. See you later.